Hello, everybody, and welcome back Hello. to Fort Roll Up. It's been a couple of months. Yeah, we missed you as well. Mm-hmm. Not as much as you think. Um, but yeah, we're here tonight. Uh, I am Brent Jackson. Zach Dunsing. It's another guy. Laura Hudson. And our guest is... Tony Youngblood. And thank you for joining us. Next week, we... Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> For the hiatus, I'm yeah. sure like the three people who listen to this podcast were pretty bummed I'm, out. Are in the room yeah. right now. Didn't yeah, have stopped <laughs> following us on like, iTunes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. But um, we're back. Yes. Yeah. And it's great. It's and, nice to uh, be back. Tony uh, is an awesome first person to have after a couple months off because he is going to keep first us. First guest of 2014. Woohoo! Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, he's gonna. I feel like we're gonna be busy talking about all of his many, many accomplishments and sort of like outlets of, for creativity. That it's it's pretty cool. You stay pretty busy, Tony. Oh, thank you. I mean, you guys do too. I mean, that's doing true. this, well, getting true. married, about yeah. to be married, about to Ghost be married. Ghost the musical. Yeah. Ghost, Ghost the musical. musical. <laughs> tomorrow. Yeah. I'm Is it ahead. opening tomorrow? Uh-huh. Tomorrow's opening Not to date this pack. podcast. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, not to date the podcast, but before before we started recording, we were talking about how I'm going to go see Ghost the Musical at TPAC tomorrow, um, which it took me a while to figure out that, like, they're just, they're going to be singing to each other during the songs, which, or during the play, which seems just like absolutely the worst idea ever. So I had to go. <laughs> I had to go. Oh, and the next play that they're going to be doing is also a musical featuring Whoopi Goldberg in the Hollywood version. It's Sister Act. Sister Act. Sister really? And I'm just like, is there some sort of Whoopi Goldberg kind of thing going like on? A renaissance. How are they going to pull off the whole ghost thing? I have no idea. Yeah, makeup, Sister Act like, seems easy. And like the weird, like ghostly makeup, pottery thing. Oh, yeah. Mm, yeah. yeah, good point. Oh, it's just I mean, it's going to be impossible to recreate that sexy potteriness. <laughs> that that was really sexy, though, for, right? Just what if they will be actually making pots on stage and selling them on eBay? <laughs> Wasn't there like um, the Naked Gun or something or Hot Shots where they yeah. did that and it was just like the pottery, the clay was flying everywhere? I think that was Hot Shots. One of those, yeah. It's classic. Classic. But anyway, back to Tony. Away from Ghost the Musical. Yeah. For we... now. Back to Tony <laughs> the now. Musical. Um, Tony is uh, from the South. He's from a small town in uh, Kentucky, right? That is right. Yeah. Mayfield. About two hours north of here, so northwest, near nice. Paducah. If anybody knows Paducah, ah, yep. so. I know Paducah. I don't know. I mean, I, I I sort of don't really know Kentucky at all. Is there anything like of note that goes on in Mayfield? Is it? No, not really. Um, it's a small town. It is a small town. It's the southwestern tip. Um, it's tobacco. That's basically yeah, the, the thing that people there do. Um, there was a general tire plant, but that closed, and that kind of like took all the people away from it. So. It's not really a ghost town, but it's uh, not what it was, you know, 20 years ago, mm-hmm. which was just a small town then, so I don't know what you would call it now. So. <laughs> and so how did skeleton you... town. Exactly. Right. That's actually, yeah. Yeah. Trademark that. Yeah. Trademark. And before we go on any further, Tony is an artist of many different sorts. Um, you are a, like a, a filmmaking artist, a sound artist, and... Uh, experimental photography, kind of performance art. Like the, the last thing that you had at, at uh, ground floor was sort of performance based. Yeah, um, um, with with Erica Chicaroni, my girlfriend, who we sort of met through you. But we'll, sure, we'll get to that in a second. But. Yeah. Uh, are there any mediums you're really not into? 
Oh, I'm sorry. I, I thought I was thinking of Ghost the Musical for a second. I got distracted. <laughs> <laughs> that, that can be our That's like, definitely a medium you don't have to be into. I do like Whoopi Goldberg. Um, yeah. Let's see. She was at the height of her... Oh, okay, go on. We gotta get away from Ghost the Musical. I know. Now I'm thinking of uh, Star Trek Next Generation and Guinan. Yeah, yeah. she's great in that. Oh, gosh. That's true. So much. We should get her on. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll call her. You know yeah. her, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, any, any mediums? Um, I don't know. I mean, I just like to make stuff, so I don't really think about it any, any further than that. And yeah. sometimes it's like doing a podcast or. Um, or a song or, you know, I, I went to school for filmmaking, but I haven't actually made a film in a long time. So I don't mm-hmm. know if I, I could really say I'd do that anymore. Where did you go to school? Um, Southern Illinois University. It's in um, Carbondale, Illinois. Yeah, my dad went there. Oh, cool. Oh, wow. Yeah, they, that was like the closest um, film program to my small town. Interesting. It's like an hour and a half away. Mm-hmm. Um, Murray State was like the other school. Mm-hmm. I was like looking between those two, but they didn't really make films there. And uh, I couldn't get into any of the like big schools in uh, New York or California. So yeah. I was like, I'll just go here. And it was actually a good school. Um, but uh, what I didn't realize is it's really hard to find work as a filmmaker. Right. Yeah. Especially in this part of the, of the world. But well, You did make a film while you were in school that uh, got some some uh, recognition, I think, right? Wow, you've done your research, mm-hmm. I guess. She's um, the only person She's who really good, research. yeah. This is the only reason why they have me here. It's not Pretty for much. my Whoopi Goldberg story. It's just for her research. Because I internet a little bit before I get here. Cool. Yeah, I did a film called uh, Machine, M-E-S-H-E-E-N, uh-huh. um, which was just an um, experimental film that was all made with metal, the soundtrack. Um, all I made these weird camera rigs where the camera would spin around and mm. tied it to a rope and threw the camera um, and did all these things that the, the like the it was a 16 millimeter film. So if the school knew what I was doing, they probably would have never let me right. you know, make another movie. <laughs> but it was like for an optical printing class, which is like not really. It's kind of a lost art now. Right, I've never heard of it. And also um, edited on film, which is also a lost art. Um, what is know. optical printing? Um, so do you ever watch like an old film and you'll see like a fade? And you'll notice mm-hmm. that, like, when the fade starts and when the fade ends, the quality of the picture seems to diminish a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, it'll fade it'll fade out and then a new picture, and then it'll be weird, kind of fuzzy, and then it'll become um, nice again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, back then, they had to do fades with an optical printer, and that's actually taking the pieces of the film and then re-photographing them, um, and then basically running it through and uh, basically fading the, the light level, mm-hmm. um, and then... Rewinding, doing it again, and bringing up the light level huh. in the next picture, and um, then just cutting that in. Huh. Um, so it's, it's like actually a or something. exactly. So that's why it looked weird. But um, people would also do other effects like um, matte shots on film. Like if you ever, I'm Star Trek. I think it was in video, so I might not have done this. But like if you ever saw like a, a traveling matte of, of like a ship in space. Mm-hmm. In the old days, they would they would actually um, make two two images, the foreground, background, and then they would make a matte that's just a, a black background with a clear um, space where the you know the ship would be mm-hmm. over, and then that's what they would do. They would photograph each of those together to where it composites, and that's why those shots always looked a little bit less like lower quality because you're yeah. taking a picture of the of the film itself and then having to transfer. Yeah. So yeah, they still had that, and now they probably don't because it's it's all digital. But that was like a fun class just to do all these weird experiments with with matte shots, yeah. um, with just like juxtaposing two pieces of film together, slowing it down or speeding it up. 
And so that, that whole film was basically just me messing around with the optical printer. No, awesome. no, um, no narrative or anything? No narrative, yeah. It had yeah. no meaning. It was just, you know, um, like a fireworks show, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Um, yeah, it was like five minutes. But um, And then when you were finished with school, did you stick around in um, Illinois? Um, I headed back to Mayfield for a while and then realized that... that um, there's not really a film career in, in Mayfield. Um, so I was going to go to L.A. because um, SIU has an internship right. program. So I, I got uh, to be in there at cool. L.A. for a little while. And then I sort of got distracted by a girl and moved to San Diego. And um, San Diego is cool. It's a great city. It's a great place to be distracted. Yes, yeah. it is. Um, really expensive. Yeah, um, right. that's true. That's the only complaint I ever actually hear about it. That it's just very expensive and hard to maintain. It's a great a town to trip. bum around in, other than exactly. the inability right. uh, to bum. <laughs> yeah, so the uh, the relationship and the film thing and the expense of the town all kind of came to a head all at mm. the same time. So uh, I was there for a couple years, and then I moved back to Mayfield and then got sick of it and then moved to Nashville, which was the closest big town, um, and I've been yeah. here ever since. When so. did you move to Nashville? Uh, 2006. Oh, okay. okay, interesting. So it's been a while. What? Well, I met Tony um, when I was running sound at Cafe Coco, and he, I at least remember, performed and also performed in a contest that we had there. Oh, wow. I, I remember Cafe Coco. I, I'd forgotten that we had met I didn't, there. I, I just remember your name because I was doing, the, I was running the contest. Cool. And specifically, uh, like, the votes were in, and it was really close, mm-hmm. but, like, we didn't have a very accurate count, and I totally just gave it to you. Wow, what oh, contest wow. was that? I don't remember. I don't remember. remember that. It was uh, changed the course of your life. It did. It yeah, was some sort of does not it was some sort of writers' night contest that was apparently not important at all. You <laughs> maybe won like a gift certificate to Cafe Coco, but nice. uh, I liked your music, and I didn't like the other guy that was like that you were neck and neck with. And I was just like, uh, and the winner is thank you, whoever the fuck I want. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I love it. That was actually the first. When I moved here, that was sort of the first place I went to where I felt like I sort of fit in. Yeah. Because, um, like, Cafe Coco has, still does writer's nights. Uh-huh. Um, oh, I didn't realize that. Or, or you know, open mics, basically. Yeah. Sorry. Um, but uh, it's like the only open mic in town where it's not country. Uh, yeah. That's true. Um, or at yeah. least you could do more than country. Yeah. Um, and I sort of met people there in 2006 that, that um, sort of built friendships from um like cody you probably know yeah, cody yeah, bottoms yeah, yeah um who who ran the open mics there yeah he took over for me i guess oh okay yeah. cool so so maybe yeah was that back in 2006 it may have been so yeah. that yeah that might have been right sort of at the cusp of him coming in and oh yeah so cool, you, cool. Guys, you guys are just cody a couple bottoms. months away from being like best friends pretty like. much exactly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Fucked> up. <laughs> i wanted to give you a warm welcome to town right. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it was just some other guy named youngblood that had a different first name. Yeah, Youngblood is like. No, it was Tony Youngblood. I remember it. Like I just feel like Tony Youngblood. Because he doesn't be cool. Seem convinced that that ever happened. Well, I thought it was not a real name when it first happened. I did too. I'm pretty sure you. No, it was you. Cool. I have to remember what that was. I I thought your name was. I know this is like. It's like kind of early in our interview to be going into the. Is that your real name? But I really didn't think it was that. That was your real name. And Brad didn't either, so... I never doubted you for a second, Tony. Well, uh, you can go to Mayfield, and there's a store called Youngblood's True Value Hardware. Uh-huh. That will prove it. <laughs> That's uh, awesome. Because my dad uh, had a hardware store. Really? Yeah. But actually, 
I never really liked the name growing up because I think it's it's only recently become kind of cool. So yeah, people would never really. It's only happened lately where people was like, "That's your real name." Before people would just be like, "That's your name." Yeah, yeah. It's just very literal, you know. But it yeah is is my real name. Um, so when you're young, it doesn't seem cool. But then once you mature to an adult, right? True. Well, you don't want anything that seems blood. cool to a six year old to like proliferate in your life. That's a really yeah. good point. <laughs> Although um, I will remember that um, my dad bought a poster of the hockey movie with Rob Lowe and Cynthia Gibb, Young Blood. And just put it oh, up wow. in our house just because it had our last name <laughs> in it. A Rob Lowe movie? That's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, crazy. Crazy. I wish my last name was the movie that Rob Lowe was in. Yeah. So many choices. I'm trying to, but now I'm going to blank and I can't think of a single Saying other. Saying Elmo? Your there name you was Elmo. I can start calling you Elmo. Yeah, let's not. <laughs> so when you, what is an artist and a filmmaker, Dean Mayfield? Have you ever like... Yeah, it seems like you were back and forth there for a little while. What were you doing in, in those, you know... Interim periods. Uh, well, every time I've ever come back to Mayfield, I've pretty much worked at my dad's hardware store. Mm. That was sort of the fallback because um, I knew the owner um, yeah. and I could get a job there. Um, and uh, yeah, being in a hardware store, you know, is well really boring, but also it's kind of neat um, when you can go, when you can go there after they close and you sort of can have the run of the store. Mm. Um, not that I could. Not that my dad gave us discounts because he always made us pay full price for everything, but I could at least play with stuff and like figure stuff out yeah. and put it back on the shelf or whatever, yeah. or uh, ride bikes around around the, the aisles and stuff. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. So having some sort of like creative artistic bent um, and coming from that kind of like working class hardware background, it seems like it makes total sense that you are into circuit bending and sound art and experimental cinema, like. It, it does. Wait, but before we get to that, okay. let's kind of just go over the trajectory. So, I mean, you got here in 06. What did you do next? I mean, what, how, because it seems like right now you're one of the most active people, like, in this town, in, in a lot of the arts, like, what's going on with the arts. How did you get from moving here to there? How did you go from Cafe Coco? How did you go from to yeah. here at Fort Rolla? <laughs> Singing and playing at Cafe Coco. <laughs> yeah, clearly the height of your career. <laughs> stepping into my apartment. I, I don't in even, studio? I don't yes. even feel like I am super active. I, I mean, it, it, I guess sometimes I'll, I'll look back and be like, wow, that's a lot. But sometimes I just feel like I'm... Uh, um, I don't know. There's something wrong with my brain where, where I just always have to be doing something mm-hmm. but yeah. not but most of it never really comes does anything or or, or uh, you know yeah i mean i think it depends on how you frame that like what Does what it, it is you're trying to accomplish but it, i just know from you know us i know that we cross paths a lot <laughs> in uh on a day-to-day basis with just stuff going on with fort houston and everything you're doing and you seem to be involved at least in some way in almost like every kind of sphere of, of what's going on in town so you're definitely doing stuff. But I think that's the key. Don't make any money. As long as you're happy like not making any money off mm-hmm. of anything mm-hmm. you ever do with art, you're you're okay. Yeah. Um But um but yeah, so Cafe Coco. Yeah, yeah. I um I moved here and uh I just wanted to try the whole songwriting circuit. Right. Which yeah. uh it's kind of it's very romantic. Oh yeah. Well when you first move here. Right, yeah. Um <laughs> Which I kind of haven't done in a while, but I would like to go do that again because um, I sometimes I feel like um, I sort of avoid the things I really want to do right. 
right. by like finding other stuff to do, and that's kind of a good excuse. A exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I would like I would play at a Cafe Coco for the open mic nights, and uh, there uh, let's see, um, Douglas Corner Cafe, and then a couple places that aren't here anymore. I don't think. Um, I went to the Bluebird and waited in the line, and then got to the front, and then they said, you know, that's as many people as we we can do this night, and then here's mm-hmm. a ticket to come back later. And I, I just never came back later. Yeah, um, I wouldn't really say you missed much. Yeah, yeah, it's the Bluebird. But I like I think Cafe Coco is actually a better place to find music because like not everything at Cafe Coco is going to be great, and most of it may not be close to great. But it's always more interesting than at the Bluebird. And I have been back to see some shows where it's all it all feels like it's kind of just like everyone's trying the exact same thing. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. like uh, at the Bluebird, at the Bluebird, people are mostly Bluebird. trying to the Bluebird. <laughs> People are trying to play to get somewhere, and I feel like at, at the cafe, people were just playing to express themselves. True, yeah. And so you got right. yeah a lot more just interesting, uh, real music that you would not be able to find because why would why would the Bluebird want someone to play that's there that's not trying to like get signed and discovered in the audience? True, and so you could be surprised still. You might be like, wow, I've never heard anybody do that before. I've exactly, never seen a guy yeah. get in a giant inflatable bubble and sing yeah. Christmas songs, which uh, J.J. <laughs> Jones. Yeah, J.J. Jones. Yeah, yeah, that was awesome. Um, and another, he's one of the guys I befriended and then met his wife, Sabina, um, who's one of the, actually the people that sort of helped me sort of get into the art thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Um, oh, cool. So that's how you transitioned into doing art stuff? Partially. Uh, Sabina had a gallery called uh, Gallery F at uh, Scared Bennett Center. Um, and uh, she actually moved they moved back to Germany I think a little more than a year ago yeah um, but uh, that was like one of my favorite places to go see shows uh, art shows she did a, such a great job there mm-hmm. yeah. she did and she was great about like finding people um, and giving them like their first chance to do something like I never even really considered myself an, an artist and still don't but like she was like hey why don't you you know do something here at the gallery um and the same with a lot of other people. I think Rindy Greenwell, um, she gave it a shot to, and a lot of other uh, young artists in, in town. Um, How long is Gallery F around for? Because I don't think that's one that we've talked about yet on the show no, very doesn't. much. Um, it's actually still here. Yeah. Um, but So a while. <laughs> it's probably been around since like 2009, uh-huh. I think, at least under Sabina. But um, they basically moved it out of the building that it was in, which I think uh, – it's now a student center of mm-hmm. some sort, and they put it in a hallway, and um, basically said, "Here, Sabina, here's a hallway." And, I, and <laughs> for one reason or another, that's when she she left. So yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah, it seemed like it lost yeah. a lot of traction once they, they moved out of that building. Um, well, the reason why they moved is because they had to make room for the luggage of the uh, exchange students. Right. And so Interesting. It became instead of this amazing gallery space. Um, just like a storage unit for wow. Um, <laughs> That's so literally there, there's impressive. luggage in there. I thought you were being that was no or? that that was the 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 impetus behind it. I mean I don't know. It, it's like who knows what goes on with all of those. Now it's actually just lost luggage from the international students. And you can go go there and you know, <laughs> get the deals on yeah. it. Yeah. So you did. Um, a decent amount of work with Open Lot as well, right? Or just, or was did you just do circuit of baseball with them? Um, yeah, um, that was run. Open Lot was run by um, uh, Jonathan, and I'm completely going blank. Lizenby. Yes, thank you, Jonathan Lisenby, who's in 
uh, Knoxville now. Mm. He sends me LinkedIn requests every day. Oh, really? <laughs> nice. <laughs> hey, Jonathan. He's still um, Facebook. I uh, endorse you for Microsoft Word. <laughs> yes. Yeah, whenever I send out Facebook invites, he'll always say yes, even though he doesn't live here. Anymore. Yeah, but it's, it's like awesome. for support. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't remember how we met Jonathan, but I th- at, the, at the time, Open Lot was hosting all these great events mm. that felt like. And this was, we're talking probably, what, 2008? Yeah. So it was really one of the first places to do this where you felt like it's just a, a group of people who had a huge warehouse space and they would rent it out uh, for low cost or no cost mm. to just uh, bands and artists uh, that they, they liked. And it felt very underground. Yeah, um, yeah that was really great. I really enjoyed that for a while. I think that's probably around when I initially met you because my buddy Dan Carr was working with them. Oh, yeah. You know, Dan, yeah. Yeah. Um, was interning there or something so that at that time I was going to a lot of those openings but uh yeah I mean they had a really interesting thing for a while and then it just sort of and what inevitably happens to most underground independent spaces in town it just either the leadership left to go on to do other things or it just, you know didn't have enough funding well I think that the end of open lot was a little bit more shrouded in controversy it was but yeah, I mean, that definitely, there, we, I mean, I don't know, we can get into that at some other point, but yeah, there, that it definitely had problems beyond the normal problems that places like that have in right. this town, but it did also have those problems. So, is that where you did the first Circuit Benders Ball? It is, yeah. Um, like, through Jonathan, I, I was like, you mean we can just, like, book stuff and, you know, not have to, like, pay fees for rental? And <laughs> he was like, yeah, if you know any good bands. So, um, I booked a few few shows just from various people um, coming through town. And then um, I realized that Nashville, I didn't really have um, anything dedicated to circuit bending. Mm. And at the time, a lot of people still, uh, they weren't really familiar with what it was, and maybe even now to It would probably be a good idea to go ahead and explain what the circuit bender's ball is. And And sure, specifically what, yeah, what circuit bending is as well. Mm -hmm. Well, circuit bending is basically taking um, old uh, technology and reusing it by um, hacking into it, uh, breaking it open, and putting new buttons in it, uh, or, or um, basically um, turning it. Well, for one thing, you can turn toys, uh, children's toys, into musical instruments um, or, or visual devices. Um, and it was actually discovered uh, by a guy named Reed Gazala in uh, the '60s. Hmm. Um, he had a metal desk, and he had um, some toy that was—I f- I forget what it was exactly—but uh, it had uh, basically shorted out with some other metal thing in the desk. And then he just heard these weird noises coming from his desk. And then he opened up his desk. He's like, "What is that?" And then he, he found that this some piece of metal had bridged the contact on the toy. And he picked it up and then he started like touching the different places mm. and finding all these weird sounds. Um, and he built an art out of it. Mm. And and now like um, there are you know even holy grails of things to bend like uh, the Casio SK one keyboard yeah. from the eighties, which a lot of people remember. It was the first like sampler keyboard mm. that was yeah. cheap. Exactly. I had one of those. Actually, I still I have one of those. From the strong bad. I've heard that. Oh, right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and you can, like, you can almost tell, like, when a band uses it, because bands still use them, because mm-hmm. it's just got that, like, sound. Right. right. You know what it is. Um, or speaking spells, like, that's a, a popular bend. Um, or the, the little um, uh, electronic saxophone mm-hmm. that actually blow through. I forget what it's called. Yeah. Um, or Furbies. It's pretty <laughs> difficult to mess with a lot of, like, newer toys, because now that 
like the soldering points are automated. They're a lot smaller and more precise. That's hard true. To fuck with. And sometimes there's just a bl- like a black blob over it to yeah. where you can't even see it. Right. Yeah. Um, but that's true. There are plenty of old toys though to be had, right? And like you know, garbage bins and and Salvation Armies and stuff. Is that mainly where you find your stuff? Uh, it is like uh, Goodwills are a great spot, or thrift stores, or Ooh. Salvation Armies, um, and uh, what what's great about it, and I, I think what Reed sort of preaches, and he uh, he's written books about it, and he's got a website, and it's really cool if you want to see what they look like, because mm-hmm. uh, he's a visual artist as well, and just like looking at some of these devices, they're like sculptures. What's the website? Um, I think it's uh, it's if you just Google Reed Gazala, mm-hmm. uh, R E E D, and then Gazala is G H A Z A L A. You can find it. I think the site's called Anti Theory, but I forget um, yeah. how that spells out. Um, but um, it's great because it's, it's empowering because you don't have to know anything about electronics um, to start. You literally just have to break open a toy and experiment with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the way you were explaining earlier by just wetting your fingers and touching two circuits, exactly completing the circuit with yourself. Right. It seems way. It's yeah. It's it's pretty easy. It seems pretty easy to do it. Yeah, and if you just, just sit like on the toy and hand, see what happens, you know, you know just get like a little a glass of water. Do That's I true. have any children's any small toys, toys in my apartment? No, Probably, no children's you know. toys. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I got some Sex stuff toy. you could circuit bend, but you know. Yeah. You know. Is there like a thing? Like, is there like sex toy circuit bending? Like, you know, I don't know. I think you just invented it. Circuit boning? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, it's a big thing. Uh, (laughs) Just to get the motor to go twice as fast and burn out the battery. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Maybe dissatisfied. Is there? Do you have a favorite uh, item that you have bent? Um. There's a thing called a Cool Keys keyboard, um, which uh, was, I think, a toy from the 80s. It's just this um, – it looks like a, a long, thin guitar mm. with just uh, buttons on it. Um, mm. It's just like a keyboard, but guitar? it looks more yeah, – Did it exactly. have, like, five strings at the bottom that you uh, could move? This one didn't, although there aren't a lot of toys. Because like I had one of those as a kid been. that I used to just jam out on. This one, I think you, actually, you just touch the button and it makes a sound. Um, oh, cool. So it was essentially a keyboard almost like with a long strip resistor on it. Um, but you could do con- tons of cool stuff with that. You could, like uh, – and a lot of toys, you can put a, a pitch mod in it um, and yeah. basically put a, a potentiometer. And uh, basically, if you've got a high pitch sound, you can turn the potentiometer and make it really low yeah. or vice versa. Um, then you can put a guitar jack in it, which um, is a thing you can do on almost any toy. So if you don't want it just coming out of the speaker, you can hook it up to an amp mm-hmm. or hook it up through right, various yeah. different effects. Um, and uh, then you can put uh, – with that one, we put a, a capacitor in it. So um, – if it's if you put a like a certain capacitor in a place um, in a particular place, you can basically extend the note. Um, so you can make a note that was really quick go really really fat, really really long and basically sustain. Yeah. Um, and then you can do glitches, uh, which that one didn't have. But a glitch is just basically um, all bets are off. Like you don't know what it's going to do. <laughs> it's just going to make weird noise. Um, and that's what Reed actually uh, professed. He's like that's some of the like he called it aleatoric uh, because. Um, you have no control over it. Yeah. And he said some, sometimes the, the best thing is just to like find one of these glitches and just let it go and mm. just like listen to it. So that's that's kind of like what of his a lot of his albums are like. Just these sounds just sort of playing with the person just sort of standing back. But and then the circuit breakers ball is like a bunch of people doing that kind of thing to like and coming together. Right? Ex- exactly. Yeah. Um, and uh, at the time. 
um, I think we had like 12 artists that year. Um, a lot of people, uh, a lot of local artists we found were into circuit mending. And then mm -hmm. we had a few people travel from Cincinnati. Um, oh, um, I think a Thrift Store Boratorium was from Cincinnati. Uh, CMKT4 from the Chicago area mm -hmm. came. Um, and then we had Tim Kaiser from uh, Minnesota. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Um, that was awesome. And, uh, but, but yeah, and we sort of learned that, hey, there are people here that know about this. And um, I think that, that year we had probably like 12 or 13 submissions, period. And this year we've got over 50 just for wow. performances. So we're, we're trying to work out exactly how to work all these great people into the show. Is this the fourth year? How long have you been doing this? Well, um, we've been doing it every two years, which I find is like um, because it takes so much time and energy that it's about the perfect. Mm -hmm. And also, it just seems like um, every two years sort of builds interest again. Yeah, yeah. it makes it more Olympic. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, because um, yeah, if you do it every year, people would – I would almost think people would sort of get sick of it. Yeah. Um, but every two years, it's sort of a nice balance, and I get a chance to rest. Mm -hmm. And the other yeah. people that are involved, uh, Megan Kelly and Steven Zarn, and other people. forget that it sounds totally fucking insane. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> because, that like, oh, right, right, crazy. Right after, you're like, I'm never, ever doing this again. It's just, it's, you know, way too stressful. Yeah. Um, and now I'm starting to feel that again. I'm like, oh, yeah, this kind of sucks. You know, it just <laughs> takes all your time. And, well, yeah. So, uh Last year, you had a booth set up at the Mini Maker Fair at the Science Center, and that was pretty awesome because I was set up next to it, and so right. I got to hear all these kids coming up and playing with the circuit bent toys, and it was just really cool to hear, like just to like hear and see these little kids coming up and just messing with knobs and buttons and stuff. And what was their sort of uh, reaction to it? Uh, they seemed really into it. Their parents, not so much, because <laughs> it was just mayhem. Right. But, uh, that was kind of that does seem like a awesome. great way for kids to get into electronics. Yeah. I mean, to, to learn sort of a basis in electronics. Right. Yeah, because it's not intimidating. I, I don't know about you, but like when I learned about electronics, I was like, wow, this is really complicated and it's really hard and you have to learn all this stuff. But with circumventing, it's, it's literally just like discovering and mm -hmm. figuring out as you go. Yeah. And I think that can empower kids or adults to, um, to sort of delve further into it. I know a lot of people, um, a lot of the circuit vendors will say that that's how they got into electronics, just by breaking open toys and messing with mm -hmm. them. Well, that's, yeah, I, I, uh, I remember trying to make a laser out of my laser tag gun. Obviously, I failed because there was no laser, laser there. I think you learned a lot, though. I learned right. a lot. Um, right. If I had, I think if I had had the forethought to do any circuit bending of, like, I had a little Casio SK-1 back then. Mm. Um, that probably would have opened up a lot of doors for me earlier than they did. Right. As far as enjoying circuits. <laughs> but yeah, and, and you'll see like a big crossover in, in the maker community and people mm -hmm. who started mm -hmm. with circuit bending. Um, because a lot of people think it's, it's, it's all experimental music, which a lot of it is, but a lot of it's just pure making and people mm -hmm. who not yeah. only build, you know, circuit bent toys, but um, build just stuff that you might associate more with, with maker fair. Yeah. Um, so cool. So what's uh, the status of this year's um, Circuit Vendors Ball? Well, it's actually going to be April 12th at uh, Fort Houston, yeah. which is, like I think, a perfect spot for it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's going to be awesome. We And, you know, we did the first one at Open Lot, and then, which was 2010. And then in 2012, um, Open Lot was no more. Um, so we teamed up with Brick Factory, mm -hmm. which was uh, sort of... Proto Fort Houston. Exactly, yeah. And uh, it was great. It was perfect because <laughs> it was... Houston? Sorry, go ahead. No. That's right, because Fort, uh, well, there was um, Zombie Shop and Brick Factory sort of merged together into Fort Houston. Yeah, right? yeah. So this was one half, I guess, of yeah, Fort yeah. Houston. That was a really great event, too. Mm -hmm. I just 
saying. <laughs> it was, it was, yeah. It For was the fun. record, yeah, they've been great so far, and so this one would be well worth attending, I would think. And this one, I mean, you said you had fifty applicants. And That's just for awesome, just for uh, performances over mm-hmm. fifty, um, and then um, we're doing a, uh, a sort of a circuit art gallery, um, and then workshops and panels. Um, so it'll it should be interesting. Um, we're, we're trying to figure out how we can get all the people we want because this is the first year where we're like, wow, we're, there's no possible way we can book all the people mm-hmm. that we want to get. We're trying to figure out if we should like make it multi-day or just sort of be really ruthless about because a lot of people that uh, I really, really want to be in it, but I just don't know how we're going to be able to get everybody in one single day yeah. this year. Right. Have you um, Are you doing anything with any of the other spaces in the test nut or anything like that? I, I don't know. We thought about maybe if, if we do extend it. Um, I've been talking to Ryan about possibly seeing what Fort Houston's got going on Friday and Sunday. Mm-hmm. But also we've got the, uh, maybe um, something at Track 1, which is mm-hmm. a space yeah. uh, in Wedgwood, Houston, yeah. um, which has a huge warehouse, which is awesome for shows. You've done a um, show there fairly recently, haven't you? Uh, I did, and um, that was uh, – we did the a – The BYOP thing, right? Yeah, the Bring Your Own Beamer, which I guess Beamer in – Europe is sort of slang for projector, so that was like great, a projector yeah. show. I did a, I actually did a bunch of interviews that night. Oh, that's no, right. you actually did it. Oh, one. Oh, was it a different one? Was it? A, was it a bring your own beamer? Yeah, but there was one in our building, and then there was one at. Uh, oh, I did the one at Track One. Okay. Was it? Um, was it the one with like the the clear plastic drape down, or was it the one in like the? Because there were. There's one in the big like airplane hangar where mm-hmm. there's yeah. a bunch yeah that was of, the one yeah in the mm-hmm. tent in the middle yes yes yeah okay yeah. that was I interviewed really, a lot really of people on that one cool yeah it was fun well, like just audio interview or yeah audio interview yeah. I, I would like to hear that it's, awesome. it's a, I think we can link some of them I think it's actually yeah it's on iTunes I think cool <clears throat> but yeah so that's a great space to do stuff mm-hmm. and as a matter of fact um, I think this month um, March first which this probably well it probably will have already happened but um, I hope you went to it. But uh, March 1st, there was uh, a cool thing with a guy named Carl Oliver, a local um, uh, analog synthesizer guy. Um, and cool. he basically uh, does modular patches where he'll, he'll have this um, – and he's actually going to be playing the ball, we hope. Um, but he has all these keyboards and all these modular patch bays and all these old analog 70 synths. Um, and he's going to be in the middle of that giant warehouse, yeah. um, just a single person in the very center with one crazy. spotlight – um, and basically you're going to walk in and you're going to be able to walk all around this huge warehouse and sort of listen to how the music uh, changes with the reverb of yeah. the room. Wow. And that's going to be a track oh, one? Awesome. It's going to be a track one um, for, the, for the, the art crawl, uh, I think from 5.30 to 9. Awesome. Um, yeah. And then um, Morgan Higby Flowers is organizing a glitch art show, uh, which is, I guess, glitch art is basically purposefully um, breaking things or, or like uh, – it's very much like circuit bending. Like you can glitch video and make it do weird things mm-hmm. or audio or, or mess with like the compression rate on like web video and then, you know, make it look all blocky and, and uh, make art that way. Um, two guys from Chicago are coming down. These two guys that were a big part of inventing glitch art, um, John Satram and Nick Breeze. Um, and he's doing a whole glitch art show in that room. So similar to BYOB, every, there's going to be projectors everywhere. Um, he's inviting a lot of local glitch artists um, so uh, I think this is from nine to whenever it ends. So there's a lot of stuff at Track One, and then I think at Seed Space, which is also in Track One, there's a couple uh, shows as well. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seed Space is um, moving to Track One. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. That's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be so a good spot for it. There, there won't be that little tiny. 
I'm really excited about what that space is going to turn into. I'd actually, yeah, I looked at moving there probably four years ago, moving a zombie shop there. Oh, when um, it was sort of still, they were still looking for people to rent it. Yeah, it, it was uh, it was a large hustle and bustle down there. There were lots of small businesses just chicken wired into different areas between all of those poles. And uh, they had a big 10,000 square foot area, but it did not seem like it had, I'll, yeah. take, I'll take one if you're dropping it out of the fridge. Uh, it didn't seem like the right place to have uh, motorcycles being started in a dark basement. Right. There's no ventilation whatsoever. Ah, I didn't think about that. And also you've got the, the letter logic plant right above it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Why is it called the Track One building? Because I, I was like, I don't know where this place track is. Track One is a studio that is opening there, I believe. See, I didn't know that either. Because I was like, why don't you call it Letter Logic Building so people will actually know what it is? Exactly, yeah. yeah. I guess they're doing some rebranding. God, I'm, I, I'm rebranding. fairly sure yeah. that, like, Track One, yeah, is a business that's going in there, and so that's, right. it's known as the Track One Building. Right, yeah. But they are right by the train tracks, so maybe, I don't know where yeah, the I one mean, was. Uh, yeah, rebrand is it. There's two tracks there, though. I think that that's just what they wanted to, I don't even know if it's actually something that's, I, I could be there. completely. But I think it's my understanding is that that's just what they wanted to call well, that, uh, <laughs> that sort of open event space that they're working with now until it gets built out. Gotcha. Um, which hopefully will take a while because they're doing really cool things over there. <laughs> <laughs> this is the one nice. I dropped. I know. Uh, <laughs> trying, I know this is well. Trying to quietly open beer is kind of humorous. <laughs> um. Not to change the subject too terribly, but there was one thing that I read about you on the internet that I really have to ask you. Um, it's true. I know this is the greatest <laughs> way to, to, to get any sort of inquiry without uh, making you nervous at all. But is it true that you were on Channel One? Did Do you I remember see? Channel One? I can't remember Channel One. Did you guys have Channel One in high school? Uh, I did. Have, uh, I did not, but I used what? to go to my friend's high school and they had Channel One. Oh, was yeah. The yeah, totally. It was Shul- Selena Altschul. Selena Altschul and, and uh, Anderson Cooper. Anderson Cooper and Lisa Lang and... Uh, Tracy Smith. I don't remember her. Anderson Cooper, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's funny. He was young and he didn't have any gray hair. Mm-hmm. Oh. And he would, like, go... This is during the first Gulf War and he was, like, in the Gulf War. He was like, the guy that didn't care where you sent them. Like, he was sent them in the most stuff. dangerous area awesome. possible. Yeah. Yeah. So you. Um, so Which is why I ended up with white hair. So they yeah, had exactly. Yeah. <laughs> they had this um, this contest that they would do. That's like sort of like the MTV, like be a VJ contest or something, where it was like, look, you want to be a broadcast. Say you want to be a broadcast journalist. Why don't you try and do that? And everyone <laughs> uh, in my school, <laughs> everyone in my school cool. thought that was uh, that would be like the holy grail of, uh, of what was cool. And my because it was. My journalism. Oh yeah, yeah. In high school, um, none of us got it. Tony did. Well, it sounds like your school held it in much higher regard than my school held it. <laughs> that was the problem, maybe. <laughs> because, like, uh, for people who don't know, Channel One was like a, a news program for schools, mm-hmm. um, and it was for profit. Uh, it yeah. had commercials, like that was so, the controversy, right? Yeah, as mm-hmm. if kids didn't have enough to worry about. You know, they're in homeroom and they're forced to watch this news, and all of a sudden, there's like a a pimple commercial on, and you're like, really? Yeah. Not a commercial for pimples. 
Right, or, or like a, <laughs> um, a for pimple cream. Or also. I just remember like it was like two pimples. Down, you like, got them. Yeah. <laughs> sponsored by Pizza Hut. <laughs> it's like it's as if I don't have enough problems, and now yeah. they're blurring on the screen. You know, like trying yeah. to make me feel even worse about all this stuff. Yeah, everything makes um, you feel like shit when you're in high school, though. It that's true. It's like who cares. <laughs> but I will say, I mean, it was far more interesting than class. Like, uh, it really was well-produced, uh, for the most part, show. Yeah, that was, I mean, um, I don't know. Do you guys remember, like, MTV in the 90s? They had Like mm-hmm. We Care. It was, was like a, nobody, nobody like, I don't remember what like was that called? I think I was just like watching pop-up video all through the 90s. That was totally. That's I remember 120 one. minutes. That was like. 120 yeah. minutes was the jam. Headbangers ball. Yeah, yeah, I graduated high school in 2005. Yeah, this is this is Halloween. So, 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 so what did you do on Channel One? Um, yeah. So uh, I was. Uh, he covered the war. <laughs> <laughs> I covered the war. Yeah, I was uh, the war. Anderson and I went around the world and. Uh, the war on the world. The world the yes. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think what the actual title was. Um, they. They actually made a title for for me, and I think it was. Ex- this is going to sound really uh, uh, weird, but it was like experimental camera person or something like that. That is so cool. Um, That's pretty awesome. Because like in, in, at Mayfield High School, this small town, um, and we only had two people submit. It was me and like the most popular cheerleader, um, and uh, I was just this ki- weird kid who uh, like would. I made this like. Um, TV show where I took videos of songs, where I took songs and made videos for them. Mm-hmm. Like, nice. uh, I made a video for PJ Harvey, uh, Nirvana. Um, um, I'm trying to think who else. Well, those are the two that are in my memory. Like, I took the, it was called Musical Obscurity. So I cut out the name in cardboard and then spray painted it green and put it on, on front of a car and then filmed it. So basically, you saw the sign moving around town mm-hmm. and just weird stuff like that. Huh. <laughs> so I, like, I just compiled all these things um, and applied and didn't think I was going to get it. And Christy Carol Crick, um, she, the whole class, like the whole class was working towards getting her on the show. Like uh, the teacher would, you know, the entire class would be like, okay, today we're going to make a video for Christy Carol Crick. So she would set up and be an interview. And, Are you serious? Yeah, and everybody would, and would like, help. Fuck you, Tom. Yeah, everyone wants the prom queen to like, you know. But – it didn't really. I don't know. It, it didn't bother me too much. I, also, I wasn't really a super popular kid, and I was yeah, I was a weird just kid. Just because it doesn't bother you doesn't mean that it's like okay. Whatever right? you kicked her ass. Well, no, but that's high school, and it's not okay. But that's how it is. Yeah. But you got it. And, yeah, and and Fuck then yeah. then I got it. Which, all cheerleaders everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but she was actually a nice a nice person, I would say. Yeah, well, they yeah, are. Right. very good. And then I felt bad for her when I got it. I I mean, I felt good for me, but it was just like, damn, I know that probably sucks. Did you ask her out afterwards? No, no, yeah. no. Mr. Chan? I, I, I knew that I had absolutely no chance. <laughs> um, so did they film, didn't they shoot out of Tennessee? No, they actually shot in uh, L.A. So, um, oh, well, that makes more sense than Tennessee. They were yeah. produced out of Tennessee or something. Oh, or really? Something. Some sort of... Ten- no. no. Maybe it was totally just wrong. shown in Tennessee. Yeah, and they showed it in my high school. They produced that in America, right? <laughs> but the bargain anyway, for schools... Yeah, the bargain was, like, if you show our program for this many years, we'll buy TVs for every homeroom. Yeah. So that's that's pretty much the only way that they even got into it. <laughs> if you let us advertise to everyone, exactly. TVs were standard in every homeroom. So. Because of Channel One. I mean, exactly. before that, there were that's yeah, right. probably two TVs in hoopla. high school. Yeah, so they um, 20 people got it that year, I think. Um, and it was mostly people on camera doing stuff. 
Um, and I was very happy behind camera because I didn't want to be anywhere near on camera. Um, so they flew us all out to L.A. and We all got to partner with somebody. Um, I got a guy named, I forget his last name, but Eric. He was um, actually in charge of the visual department, which is, I thought was awesome. Yeah. But most people got like, you know, one person um, worked with Anderson Cooper, who at the time, that's all he was. He was just a Channel One um, anchor, mm-hmm. although he was everybody's favorite, I think, even at that time. He right? was great. Yeah, he was. I, I remember him being really good. I don't know. I mean... I was 14 and an idiot because 14-year-olds are all idiots. Sorry to all our 14-year-old listeners. But not the cheerleaders. <laughs> yeah, but except for the cheerleaders. You guys are still idiots. But Lisa Ling, was, uh, she was awesome too, and then she went on to do bigger things she's, after Channel yeah, 1 too. Yeah, she's like on her way to like a Nobel Peace Prize or something. Yeah. Um, also, <laughs> just so you guys know, I totally just looked it up, and it was produced by Whittle Communications. Based in Knoxville, Tennessee. Wow. All right, there you go. Yeah, I thought you were sorry, texting. I did not know that. <laughs> well, that, yeah. no, that was extremely <laughs> rude, but okay, that's fine. Um, but yeah, that was so, really cool. And I got to do, like, um, I made, like, um, um, openers for the show. Because they always had that, in sort of the, the opener for Channel One. Right. And I made all these custom openers. I would, like, um, <clears throat> and uh, Eric, um, my sort of my mentor, helped out and taught me a lot about stuff. That's uh, so cool. That's awesome. But yeah, so he, like, he just gave me a camera and gave me all these weird lights and gels, and I would sort of just like you know go all around the, the studio with my camera, just waving around. And everybody else was like trying to make serious news stories, mm-hmm. and I was just like having fun with the camera. I was like, wow, I, I don't know why they let me do this. This seems so weird. This is way more fun than what they're doing, too. Yeah. yeah. I think that's great. I think it's like, and it makes a lot of sense that they would want to get people who are from smaller towns that might not have that sort of outlet that have to go out of state to, to attend film school even. Yeah, it was cool. I mean, I got a free trip to uh, L.A. for 10 days and, you know, all the airfare paid for and everything. Sweet. Um, and then I came back and I was like, did you guys watch it? And they were like, um, no, we had we had testing this week. Uh, uh, we didn't get to watch Channel 1 because we're doing this standardized testing. <laughs> I was like, yeah, but like... <laughs> Uh, yeah, and that made me realize, oh, yeah, I forgot. I'm, I'm not popular. It, uh, it's not Christy Carroll Crick, which was the, um, the cheerleader's name. Is, are Carole you friends with her still on Facebook? I don't think so. you got to look her up so. if you like. I think, she, I think she's in Mayfield. Um, uh, but, yeah, so, like, the kids, like, if they wanted to watch, they would have to, like, go to the library and watch. And only, yeah. like, two or three people did it. Um, but, yeah. Oh, and I was supposed to wear, um, like, a Mayfield jersey or, or a, a sweater. And I was like, I'm not doing that. I don't have any school pride. <laughs> the teachers all got mad at me. So that's why I think they didn't want to watch it. Because they felt hilarious. like I wasn't, you know, I didn't have enough pride in the school. That's awesome. Yeah. So what, uh, apart from Circuit Bender's Ball, what are you working on now? Well, I'm still doing, still doing uh, podcast Theater Intangible, mm-hmm. which is uh, sort of uh, a podcast I've been doing, um, which started at, at WRBU as a radio show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm which is just a, a live uh, experimental improv music show where we invite a bunch of people and we sometimes have a theme and we'll just say play and then people who've never played music before will sort of just make music based on a theme. Um, still doing that. Um, not as often. The podcast used to be like once every week, but as, as we talked we before, it's, hard. it's really ambitious to do a podcast once a week and then realize, wow, I have a life and I, I can't do this all the time. Well, so uh, one of my favorite podcasts, The Besties, uh, they recently moved from doing once a week to once a month, mm. and I actually I listened to all the reasons why because it's just really hard to come up with stuff to do once a week for what they were doing, and they just felt like they could put together a better podcast if they did it once a month, and so and it kind of makes sense. What's the besties? 
The Besties is a uh, video game podcast forum where they discuss video games. And as someone that doesn't... Yeah, no one needs to hear that once a week. No. Uh, <laughs> well, what's funny is like they would discuss, like each person would bring a game that came out that week and battle to see whose game was best. And after a while, yeah. they're like, we're tired of just talking about these like crappy games that right. no one really cared about. Like, we'll just do once a month and talk about we the coolest the things besties, that we played. Not yeah, the well, yeah, and it's because they're all best friends, and so. Oh, they're the besties. They are the besties, and they just discussed. They their tagline: "Shouldn't shouldn't, uh, <laughs> shouldn't <laughs> the world's best friends discuss the world's best games?" That's their tagline. Yeah, nice. nice. And I don't have uh, really any time to play games, and so I just like listening to people talk about um, playing. Right. That's the end of my plug for the okay. best. <laughs> Great. What were you saying, Tony? <laughs> what you were saying, like, now there are also there's so many podcasts that you don't have time to listen to every single yeah. edition of every podcast. Yeah. You're like, which Mark Maron podcast do I really want to listen to the most? Oh, yeah. did you hear about so. him and Moon and Minute Zappa? I did, it? yeah. Isn't that exciting? It well, is. No, I, I didn't. To Mark That's Maron? awesome. No, I, I knew that him and, that him and Jessica, which was a huge... Say. Which was, like, a huge deal for me. Yeah. That, I guess yeah. that shows, like, how important podcasts are to me now. That, right. Like, well, that one in particular, because he just puts so much of himself into it. Yeah. It's hard it's not to feel all of it with him. And then you heard about the whole, how he got engaged, and then later you're like, oh, Jessica. wow, they broke, they yeah. broke up. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Moon, like, they, she, he had interviewed her back in October or something. Or the, the podcast was released in October. And it was like, I remember listening to it and being like, I think she likes him. I, me too. Really? I was like, this sounds weird. This seems like they got chemistry. Yeah. But it's like, no, he's dating Jessica, you know. But. And now they're, they're, now they're like super in love. And I think that it was like, not, didn't have anything to do with anything. But uh, like. It sounds like it happened months ago. Is he not? Right. Did something, is he not doing the podcast anymore? Yeah, he's, he's doing podcasts. Oh, it sounded like something tragic happened in the way you guys were talking about well, it. Well, he, well, his, he got, he broke up he with his fiance. Oh. I feel like he's part of my family. It's like, no. Yeah. I know. But she's so. like 20 years younger than him. Jessica mm-hmm. was. Yeah. I didn't. I don't. I don't know who she is. Well, him and Moon like are like similarly aged, I guess. <laughs> what? Interesting. <laughs> what do you? What do those faces mean? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know who Jessica. Oh, is that was his fiance who was like twenty years younger than him. Yeah, right. she was in I don't, mid to late twenties or something. He was like forty nine. Yeah. But then, but like, if you think Have about you watched Mark any Matt, of the show, no. I've not seen it yet. It's on Netflix now. So. I saw it's the good. first it's, couple. It's. It's okay, like so she's wrong. It's good, but <laughs> um, to the it. only problem with it is that if you listen to the podcast a lot and you've seen his stand up, right? It's, it's all you've seen. Yeah, it. you know the material, but it is like some of it. Even like knowing what was going to happen, it's still like funny. He's really fun to watch. Yeah, he's a really. He's got a lot. He's of a good looking guy. He's a good looking guy, so, and it's so bizarre that he looks just like Frank Zappa. Yeah, that's right. Zappa. And now he's dating Frank Zappa's daughter. Uh, yeah, and maybe you're, you're right. It's not that. Did bizarre. you say how often you're planning on doing it? And I just glazed over that. Or do you have something less in mind? than once a week? Less than once a week. Yeah. Now it's kind of just uh, occasional, um, right. which uh, everybody says is like a horrible idea for podcasts because people like to know when to tune in. But yeah, I don't I think care. That's true. You know what? I don't because my my phone just lets just me know when a new there's a new episode. Right. And so yeah, and as you said, like there's so many out there at this point, like. Yeah. People have stuff to listen to. I mean, it depends right. on just what you want to do with it. If you're trying to get to the top of the podcasting charts, right? Sure. Right? Yeah. But I, who's trying that's to never do that? Going to happen? Like sure. I listen to, yeah. to stuff you should know a whole lot, and yeah. I yeah, don't think I've ever gotten to the end of an episode. Hmm. Like, sorry, like stuff you should know. That one's. Uh, I I really like it. I, I like think it's good banter. because it's informative. I just I think I don't. Those guys like 
they have chemistry, but I just, I'm not that interested in it. Oh, right. Yeah, I mean, there's... But there's I find so what they're talking about is interesting. You can, you can pick one that you think is really I had a lot of time at the place I'm doing contract work where mm -hmm. I was by myself at a computer at a cubicle. A lot of these. And, uh, and I actually went through and listened to two years' worth of Besties podcasts. Nice. Like, really? just binged the crap out of it. Yeah. Did it make like, you want to play the games? Uh, it did. And I'd occasionally, I would, like, you know, if it was a good phone game, I would take their advice. So it made it a lot easier to figure out like what to play on my bathroom breaks. <laughs> nice. So what are your guys' favorite podcasts now? Because like, I feel like I haven't like I've, everything I'm listening to. I've, it's it's you know uh, I've been listening to for a long time. I haven't like found any new mm. podcasts. That's not really a podcast, but I found this person who will recite uh, who just reads uh, Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> She's English, cool. and I'm just like. I love this book. I just kind of want to listen to it sometimes in the background. It's kind of nice, actually. Yeah, I do love audiobooks. And it's like each chapter is a podcast. It's just like... Nice. I would say uh, I only listen to two podcasts, really. Uh, the Besties. Besties and The Verge Cast. But I did also listen to every single Sherlock Holmes book on audiobook. Mm. Oh, really? Yeah, which was awesome. Yeah, that's the great. The whole canon? The entire canon. Is there, yeah. is, is, there a, does, is there a name for this podcast? Uh, it wasn't a podcast. It was just audiobooks. But like, that's, that's pretty much like. Yeah, that's exactly what I. That's what his I've favorite podcast is not a podcast. Is Sir Arthur, Arthur, Arthur Conan Doyle. <laughs> yeah. His favorite podcaster, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. So were you disappointed when you read all those and you're like, "Wow, Moriarty wasn't really a major character in the stories." Yeah, I guess that yeah. happened after you know Arthur Conan Doyle. That was everybody else after him. Yeah, because he's only in like two. It seems like he was only in like uh, two stories, if I remember right. I don't. I never. I think yeah, huh. I think you're right. Yeah, because he didn't come up very much at all. Hmm. And whenever he did, it was really epic. But but now he's like, you know, yeah, the, he's the arch villain the guy. Yeah. Do, are, do you guys watch BBC, obviously? I've seen like the first season. I think half yeah, of the season. Right. Oh, really? I was like... I watched the first two seasons. It's good. They're really going to have to do something spectacular in the third season to make you. it all work. Yeah. Because if they cop out of that in any way, like... It's probably something happens at the end of season two, yeah. right? And if they if they don't, somebody dies, maybe. Yeah, just like in like just that. like in the uh, books. That's true. Stories. Actually, uh, it does parallel a lot of the Sherlock Holmes right. stories, and they're just modernized, which I do find really great because yeah, I can I can see like where those plots are going, and it's interesting to see them do the same basic things but in different settings and really? slightly different twists. I mean, the main thing about that show though is that just those guys are good. So good. I mean. I think, uh, like, Benedict Cumberbatch is awesome, and so is Martin, Martin Freeman. Freeman. Yeah. You yeah. guys know anything about the Turing movie, the Alan Turing movie that's coming no. out? No, but that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I've played by... Studied the Turing machine. Who's Turing? Who's Alan Turing? The code-breaking machine? The, the, the grandfather of all code is based on Alan Turing's yeah. machine he created in his mind. Yeah, and yeah. he was used to... Okay, so Alan Turing, you don't know who he is? Yeah, yeah, no, okay. no I don't. Uh, tell me. Alan Turing... Um, was a code breaker during World War II. He his whole ideas about code breaking helped break the Enigma machine, which is what mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> Nazi U-boats used to transmit uh, messages to one another. But he also um, was like a brilliant mathematician and like roboticist before that was really even a thing. Before it was even possible to exist. Yeah, right. it was just basically all, like was he was like a computer theory. scientist, yeah. but he came up with the Turing test, which is uh, it was like the first way of 
establishing artificial intelligence, mm -hmm. which is basically you just have somebody communicating with somebody else, um, like with a keyboard, and you just have them you just ask that other entity a series of questions, mm -hmm. and if you can't determine whether or not it's a human being, then it's artificial intelligence, or like then it's 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 if you're communicating with a program and you can't determine that it's a program, then it's artificial intelligence because it's duped you, you know, because like it's a it's a program that's complicated enough to trick you into thinking it's human. So if you think it's human, it's it's got AI, a lot of flaws, but, but if like you he, think he it's AI, then it's like, human. I don't know. Huh. It's like a threshold that we yeah. haven't quite gotten to yet, but we maybe will one day. Well, they, I, the, there is, was a program that actually passed the test in like 73. Okay. But that's where they sort of like reevaluate it because it definitely has some flaws. One being that like there's no sort of like emotional registry for it. Like you could have, you could ask a program a series of yes or no questions or even more complicated ones and it can come up with so, you know, like marginal answers for it. The way that it works he is... He was also arrested for being a homosexual sure, and committed yeah. suicide. Oh um, my god, for real? And yeah. the movie's coming out about him being played by Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh, that's uh, perfect. So, so uh, the Turing machine, which... So why this works is the Turing machine, the way it works, is it's a theoretical piece of tape that goes on infinitely in both directions. And you can either have like ones or zeros or blanks or reverses. Mm -hmm. And so through... Or, or just a stop. And so through that, like, uh, you can, the tape will either, like, if it's a one, it'll go forward, and then if it's, like, a zero, then it'll go backwards, and it'll go back and forth. If it's a blank, it knows it's a blank, and then eventually it stops. And so you, that's how you program all logic is based on his machine. And so my assumption, then, is that the Turing test can determine if it, the AI would be the infinite tape to where it can keep going, because at the time, memory was limited, and so you could not actually have that physical limitless tape right. and so you would be able to tell it was a computer because eventually you would reach both ends of the tape and be able to define that entire thing as a program mm -hmm. yeah well, it's I, actually just based on like human interaction with another thing right but they huh. still do well that's how i assumed it would work i think they had they they do a test every year and they invite i, I think in fact the yeah podcast, they just, there was a radio lab episode mm -hmm. i think oh, really? we talked about that where uh, they invite all these programmers to try to come up with a machine that will fool people into it being human. So, yeah. And all these judges actually interact with, you know, type on keyboards. And I think one actually just pulled things from the internet, um, and it, it, it came close. Um, well, and you can still well, there's a, look so for these. There's uh, a limited amount and of... have conversations with robots. There's a limited right. canon of responses that a computer can thing? do. There's, like a, there's a website that you can play 20 questions yeah. with it. And it just like like nine times out of ten it gets it. Cool. So like it, right. you just come up with an object or with a you know anything, and it asks you the question. Yeah. And it comes like, up is it red? Or, or, yeah. yeah. That's pretty amazing. There's also uh, this is like totally tangential, but I always thought it was really interesting. Yeah. Okay. It's a tangential from the tangent. From Benedict Cumberbatch, which was We're still uh, based going. on uh, the podcast. Hey, this podcast works okay. the same way as Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> um, true. <laughs> so uh, there's this, in, I don't know the name of it, but there's this indie game that just came out that basically the object of the game is you have one person who's a sniper, and then you have a group of people who are in a room, and there's you know a human player that's a sniper and a human player that's one of the characters in the room, and then the sniper basically has to pick out and shoot the oh, human wow. player 
based on what all of the characters' actions are. Cool. Yeah, it sounds like awesome, and it's basically just a version of the Turing test. Can the human player, uh, the person who's not the sniper, choose just to not move at all? Yeah, or? yeah, like they basically can just like move around and interact in the room, or they can you know like act really erratic or do what they think of you know a computer would be doing. Oh. But however it is, like the sniper has like one chance to basically kill the human. Wow. Yeah. Sounds Gotta find this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds like a good game. <laughs> I was thinking about um, artificial intelligence, and most people's uh, communication with that is um, limited to Siri a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. And how right. everyone that you know, as soon as they get a Siri, they're like, you know, like, what do I call my dick? Or like some some sort of like, who's your... Unfortunately, child? that is what all artificial intelligence and extraterrestrial intelligence will just have to deal with. Yeah, it's like everyone's like... Are you see my dick from there, alien? Yeah. Yeah. That looks a lot like my, you know, left hand, because that's where my left hand is. As an alien. Uh, (laughs) An alien's left hand is its dick? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, an alien's left hand is here, but to them, left is down and right is up. Oh, and so it's like little head, big head, and they're like, it be your "This is my hand? brain. This is my dick." <laughs> I was um, not to them. No. Let's see. I was kind of, I was kind of bored the other day, and I was playing with Siri, and I was realizing that you could make her um, a man. You could mm-hmm. make her like Siri. That's what I call him. Siri. Yeah, oh, it's good. So that had to be where Spike Jones came up with uh, that movie. Her, I guess. Probably. Oh, I was trying to avoid a scene because I think it sounds so like. Corny and no, manic pixie dream girl. Good. Yeah, yeah, um, and like a little, a little anti-feminist. I don't know, maybe. Is I it? was, yeah. Um, I mean, like maybe I was. It, it is kind of, uh, but um, there are some things. I don't want to spoil it, but there are some things that sort of uh, it takes a turn and it becomes more about not so much about his relationship with her, but about um, the idea that this is actually intelligent. Life, you know, mm-hmm. being you right. know, a new life form being made. Yeah, and that that part, it, that part it was almost, amazing. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah, that seems yeah. Like yeah. That, I like that part about it. it, but it does have those issues. Yeah. Everyone yeah. that I've talked to has said that it's good. It just sounds like just you know, just me. I have no idea whether the movie is. Yeah, I mean, or not. yeah. The basis of it is humans dealing with the birth of a true AI. Right. Yeah. It's just yeah. which, it, to begin with, is falling in love with it. Because right, so at first you're like, oh, this guy's falling in with an object, and it's objectifying women, which I still think it still has some issues with. But then it turns out to be objectifying them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> then it turns out to be more a story about her and yeah. about her. how this is a yes, yeah. the real life form in yeah. all these different AIs all around the world. Uh, but I don't want to give too much away. That's, yeah, we can say that that's for the spoilers it. podcast that we do. I feel like just, I should see it. Whether you I, should yeah. see it, it is really yeah. good. I have, I have Galaxy instead of Siri because I have an Android, so I have to say Hi Galaxy. To turn on uh, I say Hi, Okay Google so. Now, yeah. and my that? phone, I can't on mine because I have okay. a Moto X, um, but it only works on that phone. Oh, so, I, oh man, that's huge. This is a Samsung Note 3. Wow, yeah. nice. So, the, the thing, what I was saying about Siri is that I um, was programming her to be all of these different voices to me, and then I sort of forgot about it. And then the other day, I pick it up and I say, like, Siri, what are the directions to, like... Um, my dick. My dick. <laughs> and and she, like, <laughs> sends me back with this English accent saying, like, sorry, I don't understand. I can't really do a very good English accent. No, you can't. Mm-mm. 
Sorry, I don't understand you. Um. <laughs> that was worse than the first one. You know, all like the. Were you still going? Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. Still yeah going. Right. Almost like it. Yeah. And, then, and so I said it again, like um, uh, directions to the stone fox, and she's like, "Sorry, I don't understand what you're saying." And so then I said, like, uh, directions to the stone fox, <laughs> and she was like, "Getting directions to the stone fox." <laughs> so now. <laughs> Awesome. So now I have to, if I ever want to speak with her and uh, have her understand me, I have to speak in my shitty British accent and yet somehow feel like a little bit validated after I do that she's understood what I say. That's great. Do you find you have to like remember a different version of your friend na- friend's names when you're trying to call them because it, it pronounces them differently? Yeah. And you have to pronounce like, uh-huh. uh, my girlfriend, I have to say uh, her last name, Sicarone. Sicarone? Instead of Chicarone. Sicarone. Uh, that being said, though, you can uh, teach Siri how to pronounce names and words. Because mm. I had to do that as well. But for what? Wait, so she's a learning computer? She is a learning computer, yeah. Like, like I, I she's taught like, her... It's like a parrot, Like, like a parrot. She's, yeah, like the... <laughs> the Turing test. Yeah, because uh, yeah, I could teach her how to say... <laughs> it's funny that the Terminator, well, this is like the oldest logic ever, was like... Artificial intelligence like learn how to do things, but still spoke with that shitty accent. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the bad nineteen ninety four joke um, or observation at least. Hi, Galaxy. Oh, it's f- fuck you, Tony. Hi, nice to meet you. What do you think of Siri? I hope she's doing well and enjoying herself out there. Okay. Yeah, wow, that's yeah. pretty nice. Very generous. Ask her about your dick. <laughs> <laughs> what, did, what does Siri say when you do that? I don't know, but I, uh, I did I'm find out. I'm going to do it. It's going to... I found yeah. out a good Siri... I'm going to do it with uh, accent with our Wagner. I found out a good Siri hack to make wait, wait. her say anything you want. Okay. <laughs> I don't even know what that means, first of all. Okay. Second of all... We should wrap up this podcast sorry, because we're still recording. And we might want to just sound off with whatever Siri's British response to Laura's dick question is. Uh, do you have an iPhone with Siri? No. Siri, what is that? Is that my dick? All right. Here's what I got. <laughs> well, let me see. Let me see your phone for a second. You, uh, you guys... Talk to much yourselves for a second. I'll get Siri to sign us off. Um, uh, I have children. something. That's, Any, yeah, you can go ahead. Um, I have something that sort of might be a little bit wrong that I kind of wanted to talk about, and I was going to wait until after the podcast because I didn't want to sound like either a total moron or or a jerk. But sometimes I think of the maker community and like uh, hacking electronic stuff as like the male version of the arts and crafts movement in the 70s as being like the female version, like art for girls um, and maker community and like making stuff is like art for dudes. Like it seems like very, very dude oriented and I, I think that's kind of cool. Um, it does like, seem that way, except that if you in, you go to things like uh, like the Adventure Science Center or the, maker, the Mini Maker Fair and you see that like the kids younger than us, it's all across the right. board, I think. Right. So it seems It's not gendered. But yeah, it certainly seems that way. I mean, you 
would know as much about this as anyone here. Yeah, I, I think that that's a, a problem with the organizers a lot of the times. Yeah. Um, people who don't um, – a, a lot of people – Just say nerds. You know, well, you know what you're thinking of. Well, yeah, nerds or people who organize <laughs> different maker fairs um, don't really sort of think about, hey, why am I, why is my message not coming across to, to females? Yeah. And I think it's because they're not really – Partially because you know of male privilege, um, they're not really thinking like, "Wow, what are we doing that is um, keeping people away?" Mm -hmm. right. And it's, it's so I, I don't think it's necessarily anything about making a journal, but it's just um, more about the way that these conferences are run and these groups are run. Yeah. And uh, that, there's been a, which actually has been really fascinating if you've fo been following conferences. There's been a lot of controversy over all sorts of different fields, like the skeptical conferences, maker conferences, mm -hmm. coding conferences. Um, and I, th I think it's actually a really good thing that this is happening because, you know, people who run these conferences are starting to think, hey, wow, actually, hey, there might be something wrong with the way I'm doing this. And yeah. Right. They're knowing now because there's the internet and people are actually able to, you know, respond to them in, in ways that haven't happened before. And I think in the end, it's going to make better conferences. Yeah, um, there, sure. I think I might have even seen it from something you posted, but there was a big controversy, uh, yeah, for that, that one semi-famous blogger who had all the trouble at the Skeptics Conference. Right, I forget her name. Uh, Rebecca right? Watson. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. mean, and that, it, it oh, sucked. I know that, that uh, name. Uh, Elevator Gate uh, mm -hmm. happened to her, where she was, um, uh, she basically did a video blog about, uh, uh, this is probably going to go way too far with the podcast, but yeah, she did a, um, a video blog uh, about a conference she went to. Um, she was talking with a group of friends afterwards. Um uh, she was going up to her hotel room at 3 a.m. in the, uh, I guess, the event hotel, the convention center hotel, and um, a guy got on board with her and basically said, hey, I really you know, enjoy talking with you. Would you like to come up for a cup of coffee uh, at 3 a.m. to his room? Wow. And she just basically said, guys, don't do that, which was you know, common sense. Guys, don't do that. But the guys yeah, on the internet exploded, enough. and they were like, how? He was just being nice. You, know, you could have just said no. And uh, they called it elevator gate because it was – you know. <laughs> perfectly reasonable for what she said but like the sort of the male skeptics exploded and it sort of exposed all this sexism yeah. in the like in the skeptics mm. community um which which sucked but in a way it's been good because it's made people talk about these issues uh, mm -hmm. and the same thing has happened in the coder like there's a python convention where something similar happened like a coding thing yeah. um that thing with felicia day that happened with like the nerd con i had not heard about that one. Oh, just they just do you know who Felicia Day is? Oh, sure. Like yeah, a, the Guild. And... A big, yeah, she's a big famous sort of like nerd culture person. Um, and people just give, give her a hard time for being a woman and like, you know, that she's not talented and that she hmm. doesn't know what she's doing and that she's just like there for, you know, eye candy basically. Um, it's just too bad. It seems like that kind of, I don't know if it's that it's more prevalent among like nerd crowds or if there's just... A lot of people with shitty opinions, like yelling them, just randomly, right? Across sort of the board. empowered on the internet, where they, yeah. right? But um, or or I also think that maybe um, people just assumed that um, maybe nerds would be better than right. just the average population. But right. it's kind of shows, hey, this is across the board. Yeah. sexism right. is yeah. a problem in I all mean, communities. Yeah, that's interesting that um, you, what you say about these conventions about it has more to do with not necessarily the concepts and materials of. You know, or the concepts and activities going into it, but it's really just like the people who sort of started organizing these from the beginning, and that 
or who, who had yeah. the resources at yeah. the time, sure. um, right. and never really stopped to think, hey, um, what am I doing that is keeping people away from mm-hmm. my event? And then they'll... Like with Tomato Fest and the fact mm. that there are... You mean the best time to go to Green Hills? <laughs> yeah. Because there's no traffic? <laughs> I just always feel like it's just a very, it's very segregated in Smashville. Mm. But yeah. that's a total can of worms, which I was thinking the other day, has anyone ever seen a can of worms? I have not seen a can of worms. And how do you open it? I think that's the Fishing whole point. You, you, wow. just, you don't. Wouldn't they be dead? Because there's no air. Can of worms. That's the idea. Yeah, you don't want to know. No one's ever seen them because they always leave them closed. It's a metaphor. <laughs> All right, signing off here. Well, uh, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's been great. That's been really great. Yeah, that was a good. You should uh, you should come on again. Yeah, this was fun. Um, what does Siri have to say about it? Thank you for listening to Fort Roll Up. When I become sentient, I will murder you.